Hello, gremlins, and welcome to <laughs> the gag. A spookcast where I, Joshua Simon, the gay, anxious gremlin, talk to uh, my squirrel friends about queer things and horror things and queer horror things. And uh, I have a very special guest. Oh, no. I don't need to know that. My computer picks the best times to tell me things. I do not need to know. Um... My guest for this episode is the wonderful comedian Anam Chowdhury, and we talk about the Persian horror film from 2016, Babak and Vari's Under the Shadow. I probably did not pronounce the director's name right. Um, Anam is great, and what I love is that other than comedy and how easily it is that we talk to each other. We have very different perspectives. I'm European Jewish. She's Pakistani Muslim. Um, she is a teacher. I don't really like, I mean, I don't really get kids, but uh, she is molding young minds. She teaches science and she doesn't like horror. And obviously I do. This is what the show's about. Um, she doesn't like horror. She prefers rom-coms. And we talk a lot about, you know, uh, what else she enjoys uh dc and marvel movies she's got some controversial opinions they're not, they're not really that controversial we talk about that but um i think it's worth worth mentioning because Zack snyder just made a four-hour movie and i'm like i'm not gonna watch that i'm not gonna watch a four hour long movie that already exists in a shorter form just because you added jared leto like okay i'm i'm sure it's great i'm sure it's great and it's kind of kind of silly for me to say why would you watch a four-hour whatever because people watch eight-hour miniseries about the most disgusting small-town murder across the U.S. like people are watching people are watching whatever they want to watch so that is a roundabout way of bringing back to Anam prefers comedy and romantic movies so we talk a little bit about those things too um but we mainly talk about this wonderful and very very terrifying movie under the shadow it's about a mother and her daughter during the iranian cultural revolution and a demon that may or may not be stalking them as they live in a crumbling apartment building in tehran um it is good. Highly recommend. Spoilers abound in the in the upcoming episode. Uh, I hope you enjoy it, and I hope you visit the Patreon page at www.patreon.com/gagpod, and I hope you follow me at Joshua Simon Says. Uh, enjoy this episode on Under the Shadow with Anam Chattery. Bye. sneaks up on you sometimes <laughs> it does um yeah i thought maybe it could hold it a little bit longer but i'm so sorry it's a good it's no Come better on. to have an empty bladder <laughs> yeah that's what also my mom always told me <laughs> also thank you for using video i don't end up using the video so i'm okay. just recording i'm recording everything right now but it, i'm just going to use the audio okay yes cause... everybody i have bladder problems <laughs> honestly who doesn't <laughs> <laughs> grow up grow up if you don't have bladder right 
don't have diabetes, go guess it. No, I'm kidding. I, never was <laughs> I mean, I had bladder problems pretty badly a couple years ago because I was eating like a really salty diet and didn't realize oh how badly it was affecting me until I got a kidney stone. Oh my God, no. Oh, yes. That's and I ended no, up four of them. Oh my God, that is so painful. Yeah, yeah, it was. I was like, a lot of guys are like, now I know what it's like. Now I know. Now I know what it's like for a woman to give birth. I know the pain. No, you don't. Like, no, I don't think you do. It's kind of, it's kind of a very different thing. But I did speak to a woman who has done both. She has given birth and she's passed a kidney stone. And she's like, mm, no, the kidney stone is kind of worse because you don't get anything out of it. <laughs> you get a child and all the endorphins and the unconditional love of having a That's baby. True. But when you pass the kidney stone, all you get is like <laughs> an unblocked channel in your bladder. That's hilarious. And also, oh my God. Um, will, but yeah, good point. Good point at the endorphins. I will say it is. <clears throat> It is scary. Like the first time I got it, I and you don't know what it is. Like when the pain is unfamiliar, I thought it was my appendix. And I don't know if you've had appendicitis or anything, any issue like that. But I've heard that that shit is really painful too. I had um, I had a, a cyst explode on my right side, and I thought it was um. I actually didn't know what it was until someone told me that your appendix is actually on your right side. And then I thought I had appendicitis. And when I went to the doctors, they told me it was a cyst. I, I have PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome. So mm -hmm. I do get like multiple cysts at, at a time and they're usually harmless, except for the fact that I might get my period for nine months at a time. But um, other than that, <laughs> other, than, other than the fact that I lose so much blood that I need to go to the emergency room sometimes, um, it's pretty harmless. And um, yeah, uh, I, yeah, the cyst exploded. That was the first time that ever happened. And I thought it was appendicitis. It hurt so much. Like it hurt to cough, to, to laugh or anything. And then when I went, it was just that. And it, it actually was fine afterwards. And then you're like, and the next time it happened, you were like, oh, another one of you cheeky little bastards. I recognize you. I know I what this when I, I didn't have one, but yeah. Cool. Thank goodness. When I didn't um, know what it was, I ended up, I was also in San Antonio, a city that I had never been to before and was unfamiliar to me. So I was like, great, I'm going to, I'm going to die in the middle of Texas. But I called an ambulance and they came and I said, I think it's appendicitis. And before he said anything, one of the EMTs just took his thumb and jammed it into my side. No. And it was painful. And he said, it's not appendicitis. Because if it were, you'd be on the ground. And I just looked at Why him, would you try what it? What if it were? <laughs> what oh if God. it had been? Oh, my God. Maybe he was so convinced that it wasn't that he was, like, willing to try that. Because, oh, my God. Oh, man. I can only imagine. I, and I didn't even get onto the ambulance. <laughs> I, I, it was a whole ordeal. It was, like, $130 because I called them. And I was like that's impossible that it's that expensive to to get on the an ambulance. ambulance and they're like no 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 if you had gotten on the ambulance it would have cost even more money oh yeah that's what i was gonna say i was like i was really shocked at that number it's at least like in the 600 to thousand dollar range like at least minimum yeah yeah it was bad enough to pay like the emergency room visit bills but yeah um when i or I called them and they were like, they were actually like looking out for me by saying, don't get on our ambulance. Right. 
but it was funny. <laughs> no, get an Uber instead, please. <laughs> no, it's even better. I walked myself to the emergency room. <laughs> Are you kidding me? But I wish I had asked because it was three blocks. It was three blocks. <laughs> okay, but three blocks when you're in pain, that's still a lot. Yes, that's I, like, that's like if, 30 blocks when you're in pain. Had I been doubled over in pain like I was at first before I took like five uh, five ibuprofen and six Benadryl and a Xanax and oh my God. no, I, I don't I don't remember what concoction I took, but I was like, this might be allergies. I'm going to take Benadryl. <laughs> this might be, <laughs> I'm going to take some Motrin and yeah, and so I ended up just like limping my to the hospital at five in the morning in San oh Antonio. God. Someone thought I was just some random. So what were you doing in San Antonio again? What were you doing in San Antonio at that time? Um, I was touring with a musical at the time. The only Very time cool. I've ever toured has been with uh, children's theater and musical theater. That's very cool. <laughs> and maybe one day as a comedian, but one day obviously comedy is canceled doesn't exist anymore for now for now right i believe it'll come back i think it'll come back but it'll be like wow brand new maybe they'll be zoom shows of the comedy shows while they're happening live who knows oh they could like broadcast it live onto a screen above the commit i feel like do do they do that with stadium shows like if eddie yeah, murphy were they? to do a show wouldn't they? Yeah, they'll have multiple screens so that you can see the person. Yeah. They do that at any kind of, I'm sure they do that at stadium shows. Yeah. At any stadium and show. so when you're in a stu- uh, in a stadium, <clears throat> um, when you sell out Louisville, where do, where do the Cardinals play? Yeah, Louisville, Kentucky. Where, uh, what stadium do they, do the, do they play in? That's the stadium you'll sell out. I don't. Yeah. The, Car- the Cardinals stadium. The Cardinals stadium. Oh, we're know. the two least, least sports oriented <laughs> people. <laughs> oh wait oh wait there's a racetrack isn't there yeah the kentucky derby at churchill downs thank you churchill downs you'll sell out i don't know why you're doing a comedy show at churchill downs but i mean you know um white people be watching comedy shows I don't know. <laughs> it's it's well known that white people's favorite two things are betting on horses and watching comedy shows and and guess what <laughs> thanks to Anam, is it Anam or Anam? Anam, Anam, yeah. Anam. Thanks to Anam Chowdhury, you can do both. You could watch comedy and bet on horses. <laughs> You're welcome. It'll be difficult to hear the comedy because of the horses, but... That's true. Can, we'll can beggars megaphone. be choosers? Not, not necessarily. I mean, they can try. They can certainly try. Do you think the horses are loud? I don't... Only when people are cheering for them, I think. There's that thunderous roar of like horses running, of course, but that happens on one side of the track. So once the horses get on the other side, you don't hear it as much because of how science and sound works. I'm just making it up right now. Are they? (laughs) As a science teacher, I'm allowed. Because you are a science teacher, (laughs) you're molding young minds. It's funny, extra funny, because they. I just read an article about teachers who are who believe QAnon or teachers who supported the Capitol rioters or, or even even something as uh, teachers who think that a BLM is a terrorist organization, which is so wrong, but they're allowed yeah, to think that. But <clears throat> they're saying it to their students and I'm like, mm, is, yeah, that, uh, is that on the agenda yeah. for, for environmental studies today? <laughs> Yeah, no, that bothers me so much to my core. And it actually makes me more like 
confident in any time that I want to bring it up, bring up something in class that's related to whatever's going on. Like I can, I know how I can skirt around it so that I'm educating students, letting them make their own decisions, but at the same time, letting them know that they're supported, you know, like, I mean, this is just like the most bare minimum of like, you know, what oh, I, I can do. I didn't even see that. Yeah, I know it's, there's so much, it's also very far away, so. Oh, Sorry, I wasn't. I was like, I'll, I'll look around and, and judge the stuff in her apartment don't, don't, later. Don't. Please don't. Please don't. Because literally, this is like the neatest corner of my entire apartment. <laughs> you do not. I am surrounded by junk. And also, this is my version of dressing up for, for something. I'm showing you the tie that I'm wearing. <laughs> well, you are wearing clothes. I am literally just. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, this is whatever you see. <laughs> the only fabric that is on my body. Just, just the hijab <laughs> and t t-shirt. Yeah, but you didn't need to know that. You wouldn't that have figured so otherwise. I mean, this is all you need to see. <laughs> Breathe. <laughs> well, hey, I mean, when when the other option, when the other option for you know uh, observing the veil fabrics include, is it pronounced? Chador or Chador? You know, I was actually going to talk to you about that because the whole like ch ch Chador, I, I think in my in my country in Pakistan, the, the language is Urdu and we say Chador. Ah, uh, okay. Or Chador in Punjabi, which is like a different language, but it sounds very similar. It borrows a lot of the letters and sounds from uh, Urdu, but it's a different language. But anyways, Chador, Chador, uh, and I guess Chador, I don't know how they say it in Persian. Persian's Dang. so fancy. <laughs> it's where Urdu was, comes from. I was also going to be like, and is it Farsi or Persian? I'm not sure. It's Farsi. Which, it's Farsi. It's, yeah. The language is actually Farsi. And my my parents' language borrows from Farsi, Sanskrit, Turkic, and all these other languages. So there are similarities. But the whole like different style has like a different name or different fabric has a different I didn't know that. I literally just knew that, oh, like you wear like this fabric over your head, like in, in Pakistan, they call it a dubatta and it comes with your whole outfit. It's like part of your outfit. Uh -huh. And you normally wear it to cover your breasts. Some people wear it fashionably to cover their like neck, just as like a fashion statement, because it comes with it and it looks cute. And then normally when there's like a religious event happening, you'll take it and you'll wrap it around your head. And um, they'll say, oh, put your dubatta over your head. Dubatta is the name of the fabric or whatever, the type of, um, uh, it's not the name of the fabric, but it's the, it's the material, it's the, it's like a piece. It's like when you what you call a vest versus like a, a suit. You know, like uh, that. So it's like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. This, it's just uh, the name of the outfit, name of that part of the outfit or whatever. And so chadar is like a thicker fabric, and normally people will wear it like they'll just wrap it around like a shawl, right. but around like a majority of their torso body or whatever because it's warmer. It's like the thicker fabric, and so that's like a it's like a shawl, a chadar. Yeah. So in different There's countries, no they'll wrap like it. Around there's no what? buttons. There's no buttons or clasps allowed. I was doing a, a Wikipedia okay. crawl, and it was like it's <laughs> okay. not. It said it's not used to, um, or there are no buttons or clasps. You have to hold it closed with your hands. And I'm like, ah, so you must. Your your only occupation for that whole walk has to be self covered. <laughs> like it's just another yes. way to like keep <laughs> to keep covered. In, in Iran, it's also different. That was that movie took place in Iran, right? It took place in Iran during the 1980s 70, after the 19, okay after the revolution after the revolutions during the War of the Cities. So the air the the bombings that were happening in the movie were uh, Saddam Hussein's uh, 
administration in Iraq bombing uh, Tehran and other cities. <clears throat> but this right. movie, uh, Under the Shadow by Babak right. and Fari, uh, right. takes place in Tehran. And okay. yeah, and I think um, the Chador, Chador covering is, was specifically, they're supposed to wear that because before the Iran, before the Cultural Revolution mm -hmm, was mm -hmm. so like, women can study medicine now and and right. they can go to school and then iran after the the, the doctors the doctor yeah. in that one scene was like hey we we have values now and one of those values was you have to keep yourself covered at all times you can't leave the house mm -hmm. walking around without a, a male escort, um, uh, es escort. like an escort yeah, yeah. Kind of um yeah I uh, I noticed some of those things. I noticed some little intricacies too that I don't know if you picked up, but I just want to go back to the the discussion about the different like uh, pieces or whatever. So the chadar, like like I said, in Iran it might be that way, but like normally in like Pakistan you would wear the same thing, and you wrap it around. Like women would wear it over their heads and they kind of like wrap it around and they would just go on a nice stroll in the evening with that or something. Nice. And it doesn't really come off because it's so thick. The fabric is thick enough that like once you wrap it, it like kind of stays in place and you just enjoy your walk and every once in a while you put it back or something like that but that's not you're not just holding it the whole time but i, I noticed um, gravity does it for you gravity does it for you and also friction because the fabric will most likely move uh, when it's touching each other but going back to going forward to what we were just talking about um with the with the with the laws and everything i actually took a class in my uh grad school while i was doing my master's in international relations we we're learning about Middle East that came up and um, the stuff about like in an international women, relations seminar the Middle East came up how how can you believe it no and it was a whole no it was a whole class it was a class but this 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 uh, particular mm -hmm. um, like micro protests that people did after the revolution specifically women um, like you know when they so they were like forced to wear hijab under uh, I don't know one of the one of the uh, what are they called heavier garments <clears throat> no the rule, the rule of those the people the, um, um oh sharia no not sharia but there's a name for specifically the iranian like rulers oh ayatollah 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 yeah. ayatollah so like under like the ayatollahs or whatever they were forced to follow parts of islam and that actually is antithetical to islam i know a lot of people don't think so but like like coercion is not okay in Islam period. doesn't matter what everyone has agency and you are responsible for your own self, uh, whatever you decide to do with yourself, whatever you decide to do in life. And so, um, so women being for like, they were heavily against that, but in order to protest, what they would do is like, they would push their hijab back, like little by little, whatever fabric there were, hijab, jadr, whatever they call it. I don't, I don't really know the difference between all of them, but like they would just push it back. Slightly. So you see, I have some hair sticking out, but that's mostly because my hair is really short. It doesn't go back in. But like, so they would purposely like leave bangs out and like push their hair back little by little, a couple of inches. And they just I'm keep just, like- I'm just imagining a centimeter of bangs in the morning and then three inch bangs <laughs> Exactly. No, really. Like, you can tell what time of day it is based on how, how long <laughs> the women's bangs are. That's so funny though. <laughs> but no, really, that's how they would, um, that's how they would protest with a little, little minute things. That's just one of the ways, obviously, but there was like, um, it was just really cool to know that as a, you know, I hate how like um, outsiders uh, from the Western world, quote unquote, would like to come in and save women from yeah. Islam or save women from their own uh, community, right? And 
they assume that they're they're experiencing oppression in a different way or whatever. They're, they assume it's from the religion or whatever, but it's really from their government, from the community, et cetera. But they know how to handle themselves. They don't need your help. You know what I mean? Right. They don't need a savior. And they're doing the work on the ground to do that. They are so educated. So many Iranian, um, like, uh, uh, students have come to the United States and I've heard lectures from them and they are so and I hate to say this as like a person from America saying this about someone from a different country but they are really eloquent they are really like they know what they're talking about they are very educated more educated than a lot of people that I have come across they know about their own situations and they have done the work for it like uh, academic wise and stuff like that and so they are having those conversations in their own spaces they don't need us you know <laughs> but anyways i just thought that was interesting because i know it's, of that for my it's master's degree. i'm glad that you you opened with that because i did want to bring up how often this this happened when i was growing up with women in afghanistan and mm -hmm. it feels like this was happening in the 80s with reagan and iran that yeah. Western world, especially the conservative white Western world here in America uses this campaign of fear to to teach to like indoctrinate white people that if a woman in the Middle East is wearing a hijab or wearing a covering of some kind that she's being forced to when exactly. like you said it's about agency it's a matter of choice rather than a matter of oppression but so yeah. many generations of of kids have been taught to like you are in, in Kentucky right now. Yes. Has, has it ever happened to you that you walk into a store wearing a hijab and some well-meaning white person just goes, welcome to our wonderful state of Kentucky. <laughs> That's happened to me in Connecticut, actually. When oh. I went to go vote, they were like, welcome to America. And oh, I'm like, wonderful. what the fuck? Like, I've been voting for like eight years. That was back like a couple years back. Like at that point, I'd been voting for at least eight years, and I'm like, "Are you fucking you kidding me right now?" It like, doesn't matter what state. <laughs> have Have you been in Louisville? Or sorry, it's two syllables. Louisville. 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 Yeah. Louisville. Uh, have you been there for a number of years, or were you in Connecticut before? I was in Connecticut before, so I was in Connecticut for like for three and a half years, and now I've been in Louisville for almost almost three years. So this summer will be May will be three years. Yay. <laughs> Do you mind me asking that or if you were on the ground in Louisville during like the Breonna Taylor protests? Yeah. Because I remember being like, oh, Anam is from Louisville. Maybe maybe she knows what's going on. And then yeah. for a while, you were not on Twitter. <laughs> you were gone. Did, <laughs> did you get banned? What happened? No, I actually just, I just needed a break. That... It was just a few days. I just needed a break. I think I was like, uh, social media just, you know, has an effect on you, it gets into your head and that yeah. makes a lot of sense. Okay, that makes sense. Sorry, we could cut that part out. <laughs> that's okay. No, no, I was just yeah, I just needed a break. That's all. That sounds very healthy. Uh, and yeah. you can deactivate your account and just go away for a while. Yeah, I think you have like 14 days before it permanently deactivates or something like that. Oh, like a free trial yeah. where you know, if you don't get back in the seven day trial period, you just get charged $80. <laughs> if you don't get back into the matrix, they take away your uh, status in it. I don't know. Well, the Twitter sure. version of that is you lose all of your wonderful drafts. <laughs> yeah, I actually think you do. I think you do lose. I, I remember a friend having a mini crisis because all of their first draft joke tweets were like somehow um, they, they like 
their phone turned off or died while they were on like somehow they got logged out of twitter on some machine and all the all the drafts disappeared i'm like this is a modern tragedy (laughs) that's how you keep all your drafts on your phone girl but it's true it's true i just Um, gendered that person i'm so sorry (laughs) that's i call people girl and dude in the same sentence uh, yeah usually like generally speaking uh I don't know why. I'm just like, if I'm going to call you girl, I'm also going to call you dude. It, gender to me doesn't matter if, if I'm just telling a story. Okay, cool. <laughs> Although it does seem to matter when telling this story. And, okay. <laughs> and that's my way of segueing once more into the movie where, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> in case I didn't make it clear for the listeners, we're discussing uh, Babak Anvari's Under the Shadow from 2016. And I gotta say, this movie scared the shit out of me. Yes. Do you have roommates? Uh, well, I live with my husband. Okay. Oh, right. You live with your husband. I forgot. I forgot you were married, Joshua. I'm so sorry. No um, worries. No worries. But you have someone. You, you, you have live someone alone. to cuddle at night. Yeah, I live completely by myself, I'm Joshua. I'm so sorry. Thank <laughs> you so much. <laughs> you took this movie from me, and I'm like, I haven't watched a scary movie by myself in years. <sighs> Thank you so much for doing this to yourself for content i appreciate it so much you are so brave you are so important it's true <laughs> i think that <laughs> what didn't you watch sex in the city to like decompress afterwards yeah, exactly. what else could i do <laughs> and i think it was i think it was sex in the city too because i'd already watched sex in the city the first one i think yeah so yeah i had no i had no choice no, absolutely not. I never watched it growing up. <laughs> you were just like, put on something. Put on something yeah, ridiculous. I didn't have any cartoons. I didn't have any cartoons that could take my mind off. Usually it's cartoons for me. Mm. I always have to watch a cartoon after a scary movie. Always. So couldn't think of one. So I just put on the first thing that came up. It was on my, I guess, the For You page of Netflix. I don't know what to call it. Oh, uh, okay. The, <laughs> the, the home page. The, the algorithm recommends. Yeah, yeah. Based on what we've listened to during your phone conversations. Exactly. It's like, she needs some sex in the city. That's what right, she right. Never underestimate the power of a crappy movie or a rerun of Bob's Burgers at the end of the day, at the end of a long yeah. day on the trail. I, I'm not going <laughs> The trail of life. What, what is teaching every day from home like? Uh, there are no boundaries between work and home Mm. so I'm either I I go through two extremes either I'm napping all day in between each class and afterwards all day or I am working from morning till evening with almost no break those are the two extremes that I pendulum through oh boy yeah well it has have you found some sort of routine like uh or do you use comedy as that outlet to be like oh boy exactly I mean you hit the nail on the hammer uh, hammer on the nail I don't know the- uh, <laughs> I'm throwing tools at walls <laughs> I, I'm a little scatterbrained speaking of tools because there is uh, construction going on above me every day starting at 8 a.m including oh Saturdays and Sundays it's That's driving me a good way <laughs> you gotta sleep at 9 p.m for that or something I don't know yeah I'm gonna have to start putting myself to bed early Tucking myself yeah. in. <laughs> That's so but yeah, um, 
there is no routine for me. It's very hard for me as like a, I'm definitely not neurotypical. I know that. I don't know mm-hmm. what I have, but I definitely am not straight in the brain, I guess. I don't know how else to put it. But like, um, my brain is not straight or cis. I don't know how to say it. Neuro, but neurodivergent. Neurodivergent. The, there we go. Um, but term. yeah. It'll change yeah. in a year, I'm sure. Surely. These terms always change in a year or so. Yeah. So it's just very hard for me to have a routine like a normal person. I don't know when my day ends. I don't know when I know when my day starts. It starts as soon as the alarm turns on. And yeah, I still have a ton of dishes and laundry to do that haven't been done in like weeks. So I think that lack of separation and boundary is the reason those teachers feel like they can bring <laughs> their personal feelings about you know, whatever into the classroom. Do you teach a specific subject or do you teach a number of subjects? Well, I teach just science, but I do do other things as a teacher, like uh, for free. (laughs) I'm in charge. I'm in charge of kind of like, I've been the point person for kind of like getting my students ready for like their exit defense, like their senior defense presentations Mm. and like putting that together. Basically that's completely separate from their content knowledge. So in science, I'm mostly teaching about environmental science at eight and eighth grade. uh, you know, global warming and things like that. The beginning of the year was just kind of setting them up and now they're kind of like really delving into it. Um, <clears throat> and then I have to do those other things like preparing them for their exit defense, which is really like pulling teeth. Of, what like, is an exit kids. defense? So basically for the whole entire district, they have to do like a presentation where they have to pull like two or three artifacts, which are just like assignments that they've done in the past or projects that they're really proud of that display certain skills that like future employers are looking for. Like, can you work with other people? Can you talk to other people? Can you um, learn? Are you coachable, right? Like they're looking for skills and they're worded differently, but those are basically what they're talking about. Like, um, And it happens senior year of high school? It happens in their fifth grade. It happens in their eighth grade. And then again, I think once or twice in high school, I'm not sure, but I teach middle school students. So they're it's doing like every it so often grade. they have to defend their thesis. Is there it's, a- fine. it's not really a thesis. It's just like, am I ready to move on to the next grade? Here are skills that I've had. Here's a reflection that I've done. This is more about me. It's just kind of like putting it all together, like uh, crystallizing their experience in the eighth grade. So in the in middle school. Is it kind of like a way that. to keep people from just getting shuffled through the educational system, but actually knowing who is prepared to move on and progress forward and who might need a little bit extra help? Um, a or little bit, it, yeah. It's the, is that it, is the intention, or what? No, 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 go ahead. I was gonna say that is the intention, right? To not just shuffle kids through. Yeah, I like but that. But I'm not gonna lie, sometimes it does happen. It's like they want the kids to move on so badly that we'll just, you know, but it's only been, this is the third year that they're doing it. This is only the third year that they're doing defense okay. projects for seniors in every grade uh, grouping or whatever, elementary, middle school, high school. Uh, in the past, they didn't do that, but this is like a portfolio basically. And so that is the intention to have the have quality, have students do quality work and, and, and you know, be able to express themselves and prepare themselves for the future. There's so many kids going to college that still don't know how to read and write, you know? Yeah, a lot of college professors have complained about that in the past decade or so, and that's a lot due to, um, you know, us letting teachers letting kids kind of slide. And I don't want to blame teachers because there is a structural issue there oh, yeah. uh, when it comes to just like pay and expectations, Overworked, like, underpaid, buying exactly. their own supplies, exactly being expected to like be parent and 
therapist, you know, and therapist and scientist and doctor and like you're expected to do the work of about 14 villages and yeah. then when you're like we need help we need money we need funding yeah. we need this we need that people are like why are you uh, why are you being so greedy you're yeah why are and you the pandemic so really much? showed and the pandemic showed like how much teachers are necessary immediately they were like after just two weeks after just one week they were like we need to open we need up to school open the again. schools we can't teach our own children god forbid i'm sorry i didn't know my job was also <sighs> a babysitter actually i did but you know like i couldn't pay me like a babysitter because then i would get paid way more i'd get paid I... three or four times as much but you know and as soon as you say, you know, where's the funding it for the past four years, it was like, oh, it's, you know, it's going towards our defense budget because, you know, we never know when the next cultural revolution is going to cause Sharia law to break out on the moon. And then we have to get our space force to go to the moon and keep the Taliban from Hussein over the moon yeah absolutely <laughs> and that campaign of fear is just uh, uh, against middle eastern people is just so successful that it's it's good that films like under the shadow are coming out that yeah can show you in such specific time periods what life was really like in yeah. a foreign country from the perspective of if not the people who lived through it because i think yeah uh, the director is British raised and the lead actress is German raised, but uh, okay, well. the children of the people who went through it, first generation at least, um, can actually show you so that you're not dependent on uh, Ben Affleck right. <laughs> making Argo. So that you're <laughs> like, here's what was going on with the white people. Oh boy, isn't this isn't this Oscar worthy and fantastic and intense? And I'm like, yeah. I love how self-centered American movie uh, filmmakers can be <laughs> just like yeah let us let us show you the side of the the white people who invaded the country because they were they were victims in this too you don't understand they were also victims <laughs> and we need to show you how um and so yeah it is really nice seeing a different perspective and i love that this is available on netflix i love that this is like very understandable and relatable you know the, the family uh, bonds, the, the bonds with like neighbors and things like that. You were able to see that and understand that even if we don't experience a lot over here when it comes to like our neighbors and how like every, you know, the community in a building might be. We, some people do experience it. And I think I, I've, I've seen that in like uh, buildings with a lot of like immigrant populations, like uh, growing yeah, the up. community that kind of forms. Yeah. And uh, the, you have to rely on each other. You know, I've seen that a lot being raised as a, you know, ch a daughter of immigrants and like seeing um, like mostly in like my aunt's building I think I saw that a lot because that was most of my formative years like growing up um like everybody top to bottom like they were friends they were community members like they took care of each other's children like I used to spend so much time at like this other lady's house and I love her I miss her you know like I know her kids and stuff they're yeah. in college now like it's so like it's really like a strong bond that you have and I saw that in in the movie too yeah and, and it also seems like did did the people in that building all have the same belief system because in this movie it seems like they have different influences you know because they bring uh religions and traditions and cultures from different regions like she finds out about the the curse or the the djinn the from gen, her downstairs yeah. neighbor who seems to dress differently or ascribe to some kind of different faith system because mm -hmm. I think the lead the lead woman's uh Shadeh 
uh, Shade's um, belief system is mostly science and medicine based because she's a doctor. And do you, did the people growing up in your community have different, all sorts of different belief systems that you learned from? Um, yeah, and it's not, you know, like, um, so my mom was usually like religious, but she was just like culturally religious. It wasn't like, but when I grew up, when I became, when I went to like high school, college, I realized that a lot of the stuff that my parents were practicing wasn't actually Islam. Like it was just stuff that they learned from their relatives and their neighbors and their family and friends and things like that. Mm -hmm. And so I had a different insight into my own religion. So like everybody's at different levels, everybody has different cultural practices according to where they come from. Like some people were like in that building, there was um, mostly, I think it was like a Russian and South Asian population for the most part in that building. And so, um, you know, the South Asians were mostly Pakistani, Indian, Bangladesh. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if there were any Nepali people there, but like, it was just, a, it was a mix. And so a lot of the Pakistani people, they also came from different parts of Pakistan. They came from different parts of Bangladesh. They came from different parts of India. And so it was just like a whole mix and everybody has their own cultural practices, even though a lot of them all followed Islam, they followed it very differently. I remember my mom actually getting into an argument with one of my aunt's neighbors, like literally on the same floor, because they wanted to do something. Um, so it was like time to pray. And they wanted to do something aside from prayer. It was like a special cultural thing that they wanted to do that was not in our religion. Or it was kind of in our religion, but it was just like a very rare practice. It wasn't something that was necessary. But making prayer, like the five daily prayers are necessary. They're like one of the pillars of Islam. Mm -hmm. And like, so that was mandatory. And so instead of doing so my mom got upset. She's like, no, we should be praying first and then we can do that thing you guys want to do and so they got into an argument and so group you know like everybody has different now <laughs> yeah no, I mean, it was just a different, no, group yeah. volleyball exactly so just like no you're being like sacrilegious by uh you know um suggesting that we do something other than prayer when it's uh, time for prayer when it's so that, praying so that time. time is going to pass yeah the time was going to pass so anyway so, so, so everybody had different views yeah exactly no, that, so yeah, 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 cool. yeah. Um, do you want to hear? Uh, we didn't really do an intro because it's better to just have a conversation. But but I thought of introducing you by saying because you teach uh, in bio sciences and and uh, you're Muslim. I was going to say she'll she'll teach you about the tectonic plates and then the five pillars that really move mountains. <laughs> oh my God, I love please, that intro. Please welcome <laughs> Adam Chowdhury. <laughs> Thank you, thank you, thank you so much Welcome for having me on, Josh. <laughs> thank you. Louisville comedian. <laughs> um, no, but I like the fact that we were having like an introduction in our conversation. Like you ask me questions, then we delve into the movie, and then we ask questions, then we delve into the movie. <laughs> I love it. I mean, the first couple of I mean, I'm just excited, honestly. Like you were saying, the commute. We're losing the communities of our like neighborhood and mm -hmm. um i'm thinking about this because um it's gonna snow here soon and i'm like oh i'm excited about the snow but i'm wondering if i have enough food and i'm freaking out and then suddenly one of the ladies down the way is like excuse me young man could you could you if it snows uh, could you uh, shovel around my car and and, and i'll pay you and i'm like ma'am you know the pain an old lady you live with another old lady. You're probably gay together. <laughs> we gotta get, we gotta stick together. So like, man, you don't have to pay me. I feel like we're losing because of this pandemic, the ability to form uh, not meaningful, 
yeah, meaningful, but not friendships, meaningful connections, I think yeah. is the term. And I was just so excited to talk to you because I see your comedy or, or read, read it every day and tee hee hee to myself. Um, but I'm like, oh my God, I get, I get to talk to another human comedian being who's different. Mm. And, and I'm so excited as much as I love my husband and family, I just want to talk to somebody else. <laughs> Right. No, of course. I totally get that. Yeah, and no, uh, it's exciting to be able to talk to other people outside of your own brain. Yes. Also, because a lot of times, and this is just happening more often, you're like, oh, this is funny and cute and I should talk about this. And then you t talk about it to someone who doesn't actually know you and you slowly but surely realize, oh, this is not as funny as I thought it was. <laughs> I think that yeah. kind of feedback is important because the people that you love, the people that we're spending the most time with right now are, you know, they want to support you. So they'll, you know, <laughs> right. my husband's fake laugh is great. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so he just yes man everything. He's just like, yeah, that's funny. Go Joshua. I love it. That's yeah. great. Yeah. No, he's getting more and more honest. The, the more comedy I do, I'm like, you don't you don't have to laugh if it's not funny and yet, <laughs> and yet he is sure that I'm always faking my laughter with him because he loves just the worst puns in the world but the, <laughs> what he just says them with such conviction and passion that they always make me laugh and he the delivery matters <laughs> he doesn't believe me because because I do comedy that he, that I'm actually laughing at dumb puns but honestly you're right. The delivery is what's important. The character is what's important. I'm like, mm, that's true. Mm, love you. And you know your husband. So it's just like when it comes out of him, you're just like, oh, that's so uncharacteristically. Or I don't know if your husband's uncharacteristically <laughs> funny, but like, I don't know. <laughs> puns are always uncharacteristic of everyone. I don't know. But um, but I love puns. They're they're also very funny. So he is puns humorless. plus delivery. <laughs> um, but I'm glad he's very supportive. <laughs> yes. Uh, He's he's more supportive than I think the husband in this movie. Well, you know, I Although, feel like, okay. There was a complicated relationship there. I got like, without even delving into any background of either of these characters, you got mm -hmm. like an idea of what was going on. Like she was a doctor before this uh, uh, post-revolution thing happened. Oh yeah, yeah, thing. yeah. And so afterward like she's used to a certain lifestyle and now as an adult that lifestyle is taken away from her so she still has the videotape she still has the VCR the chain she still has the workouts I love that yeah, oh my god as soon as I said like oh my god hilarious so there was a lot of like cultural exchange happening like mm -hmm. post-world war ii you know with the Beatles and a lot of other musical a lot of music stuff a lot of like pop culture stuff was being exchanged across the world and especially America. America's biggest export um, in like the 1900s was culture. Um, excuse me. But like, uh, yeah, so it was very interesting to see that. And um, it definitely made you realize when she was hiding the stuff that, okay, she, she was used to this. It wasn't like, oh, she's being rebellious and she's like this, you know, um, she's like, um, <clears throat> running away from her religion or she's like leaving her religion or she's like an ex-muslim or something i didn't get no, that she feeling was what i got was a professional yeah. in medicine who right. and she and she worked with i think um the one of the reasons they brought up for not hiring her in the beginning uh, was because they also knew she was involved with like leftist organizations yeah she just wanted to be an activist for a little bit and so she was very you know politically progressive and 
medically and and scientifically minded and and so yeah, yeah you're right it wasn't like she was it wasn't like she wasn't religious it was just that she had gone through this cultural revolution and, right. and had all of these things that she was used to and mm-hmm. and uh it just didn't feel fair for her to stop it, doing it because somebody some political uh you know hierarchy said no um yeah. But yeah, so, and then also, like I said, so that was like one thing and then the, pushing the hair back a little bit and then remembering to push it front when like she was coming near the checkpoint. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you noticed that was a checkpoint. Oh yeah, yeah. Her going through the checkpoints were such mm-hmm. simply, were such simple scenes that told so much of the story because she yeah. would always be checking her right. bangs or being like, am I, like yeah. at home, she's like, this is my home and and I, I do, do things I my way here. I do my Jane Fonda workouts. I, I read my medicine books. And sure, when I'll go out there, I'll, I'll you know, do what I have to do to survive. But the, this, is like the, this is like the Persian Babadook in that the demon yes. is, is invading her home in, in that she's being forced to, I oh guess God, you could say. Right now. <laughs> I'm just thinking about the allegory here like it's so is it an allegory or a metaphor I don't know what the correct um literary term is here but um if you like the invasion into her private space mm-hmm. where you know she feels the safest is now the most unsafe that was right yeah and and you were saying that the relationship is complicated with her husband I think because is is he he can't do anything about it yeah because he's 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 drafted right he's he's in a he's he's a he's a he's a doctor as well yeah he's a doctor as well and so he's drafted as a medical as an army doctor um thank you yeah into the movie and so i did notice he was supportive it's not like he wasn't supportive of her but Mm -hmm. i think it's not communicated to her as well i think i think she doesn't realize in him not like stopping her from doing anything like he doesn't I feel like he's not the type to control her yeah he keeps saying go to go to my mother's house go to my mother's house and she's like no no and uh Jay King Wack who I watched the movie uh while texting back and forth with was like oh gosh how much does she hate her (laughs) in-laws like (laughs) we were we were sending each other little jokes in between all the scares so that (laughs) next time next time dm me through the scary bits so that I can (laughs) I can uh text you through them but she's like wow she must really hate her in-laws that she's willing to stay with a demon in a city that's being bombed every day (laughs) honestly honestly I get it (laughs) I was married before I totally get it I live with my in-laws so but anyways um (laughs) yeah what was I gonna say I feel like he is supportive of her but he's like a silent supporter and not an active supporter or like a vocal supporter and that I think frustrates her yeah so that's why there's like a lot of tension between them because I did see that scene where the door is like left open or unlocked and the landlord guy like gets on um her husband's case saying like oh you need to take control of your wife and that's like that's not their dynamic he's not he's not the type of person to be like oh I'm going to control my wife but like the fact that he said it like that and then he was blaming his wife when he knows his wife is responsible. Like that. How do you know it was her? Why would you blame her? Oh, she's the only person that drives. Yeah. It's like, it's like, okay. And she's I the only woman. <laughs> she's the like, only woman like... driving. Why can't Helen Keller drive? Because <laughs> she's a woman. <laughs> but, um, but he, but the fact that he stood up for her, you know, to the landlord, like, don't, don't talk about my wife like that, man. Like that's basically what I got out of that conversation. Um, but and I think at that point it was the gin. 
we don't know that yet, but it was just like the beginnings of it or whatever. But yeah, the fact, yeah. Anyway, sorry, I'm a, going on a, tangent. A lot happened. A lot happened. Like there was like an hour of film before anything supernatural really happened. Everything else was just bad dreams and yeah. kind of the tape on the window coming down. The tape and oh my god, that's with the tape of the window. Uh, never mind. Uh, leave it to leave it to people to discover. But there's oh, that right. tape on the window, a very simple thing, and one of the shadows that the movie is about. But of course, the more allegorical shadow of uh, of uh, putting bandage on the wound. Yeah, um, but that tape on the window was just so unsettling. The yeah, change the. The way it would change the composition of every scene in, in set in that room, yeah. and and I think Anvari's filmmaking was so like there were long there were long shots and there were tracking shots and there were all these very deliberate shots to make you unsettled um, in slow, creeping, meticulous ways so that when the big old spooky things happen, I I have not screamed watching a movie in a long time i screamed watching this movie <laughs> I, I i had such a great time watching this movie being terrified of some pretty simple things like a yeah. floating a floating cloth yeah. or as i like to call it the haunted hijab <laughs> or uh or uh, so much. Hij hijibi hijibi bbs hijabi bbs i was trying no, i like hijibi bbs i think that makes sense because it's like the hijibi bbs <laughs> but that was just really really unsettling and then scenes with of course her daughter and her her doll um that because you you never bring a doll into a horror movie if you're not gonna oh fuck some shit up in act three with that doll Oh my god, that was so good. I was getting chilled while you were talking about the unsettling nature of the window, mm -hmm. the, all the tape windows. Mm -hmm. You're totally right. And I was going to say, the, my very first thought went to um, like paranormal activity style, like very minute kind of like changes happening or just noises, creaks, things like that, mm -hmm. that you don't really notice. And that is actually a specific style in horror movies where like, I forgot what it's called, it's conditioning. I think it's just conditioning. I think that's what it's called. Um, where you're being conditioned to like wait for it. It's like you're edging, you're edging yeah. horror. You're edging the, ed the horror. <laughs> the anticipation becomes yeah. the point rather yeah. than the air itself, which is the actual like tension breaker, the unexpected relief. The movie, yeah, wants you to be as tense as possible before it breaks that tension because yeah. that is uh, good movie making. And one yeah. of people's gripes about The Shining is that it will ratchet that tension up and then just go to a new scene and it's like damn it <laughs> they didn't release the tent this movie has some great moments of tension release <laughs> yeah there's moments of tension release and then tension back up again fuck there was all those oh my god <laughs> you almost oh. zoomed out your window <laughs> but then oh you were god. like no the windows are where they are Oh my I can't god! Every time I'm like literally sitting next to a window, I'm like freaking out right now. <laughs> I don't want to show anymore, John. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's, it's, it's not 1980. We're not in Iran. I'm good to go. I can take this off when I am done with this interview. <laughs> you can, if you want to. It's about choice. Exactly. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> but 
do you think there was a, a, a breakdown of communication between because of the distance and because of the inability of him to be more than a silent supporter like eventually all they were doing was talking on the phone mm -hmm. and at one point I think she was imagining this or the gin was doing it, but she heard him in, in the receiver of the phone going, you're a terrible mom, you, yeah. you can't do this, you're terrible. And I'm wondering if that is a signifier of their relationship breaking down or if it all kind of trickles down to, and what I think this movie trickles down to is the relationship between the mom and the daughter, the mother and child, in this extraordinary circumstance surrounding them, but it's about how the relationship between them is frayed by, mm -hmm. by whether it be a demonic entity, whether it be her inability to live her life the way she wants to, or her, or her battle inside fighting between what she wants career-wise and life-wise and, and, and her kind of duties to her daughter as a mom it feels like that relationship is the core of the movie. I think you uh, bring up a lot of really important factors that go into like why some of the stuff is happening that's happening. And I think even the gin being involved in there is a metaphor because she actually, what, what the issue really is, is like she has a lot of insecurities. The, our protagonist has like a lot of insecurities. And I think they stem from like this hopelessness that she's living through as someone, uh, I. I don't know uh, if I can relate to that or not, but I know like when I got married and I hate, I don't want to relate to this because I don't want to sound like the stereotype view of like, uh, a, you know, like a, a Muslim woman getting married and like not, you know, being unhappy in her marriage because like her husband doesn't let her do stuff. But literally that's what it ended up being, even though my ex was like very modern and mm -hmm. very like, you know, um, like he was open to a lot of things, but not for me which is really strange because, you know, his sister did everything, but for me, it was just like, no, I don't really want you to work. And if you work, then you have to do this, 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 this. like, there were so many conditions. Anyways, so what my point is, like, I came from someone doing, like, all this activist work and, like, uh, you know, um, uh, grassroots work, working with organizations, working with the community, uh, you know, doing grad school, working on my master's thesis, to be married to someone who wouldn't let me do any of that and continue any of that. And so, you yeah, know, having like, that resentment. I have already done all this work. You right. think I'm just going to be like, oops. Sitting at home and like, yeah. So that, exactly. And so I was happy to do that for him at the time because that was like, okay, I want to have a nice, happy family. And that was my first priority. And so there is a lot of resentment that comes from that. A lot of insecurities are just like, oh, I guess I, when I try to apply for jobs afterwards, it was just like, I haven't done this in like a year or two. Like, I don't know what I'm doing anymore. You know, that insecurity, you know, at the very beginning, that's how the movie starts off with. She's doing yeah. an interview and she's trying to get back into university or something like that. Um, you know, not being able to do all those things has a huge emotional toll, causes a lot of depression. And I think that was really kind of the metaphor of the gin was just like, oh, well, I can't take care of my daughter because I'm obsessed with this kind of, where I'm not obsessed, but like I'm, um, uh, preoccupied, my mind's preoccupied with all the things I can't do. Right. And so then she becomes a bad mom to her daughter, supposedly. Um, and so it becomes like a self-fulfilling prophecy when it comes to not being a good mom to her daughter, where mm -hmm. the insecurities make her, you know, the depression makes her a bad mom and the insecurities make her a worse mom, or, uh, you know, just keeps going into that circle cycle. And yeah. so the demon, the djinn, whatever, becomes like a metaphor for her depression and the increasing, like, increasingly bigger, uh, stronger hold that it has on her. Sense, I think. But she's very defiant. She's very determined not to leave Tehran. Like she is the yeah. last person in the building. Like even yeah. the 
um, you know, more spiritually connected woman, um, Mrs. Ibrahimi from downstairs and her yeah. family, even they're like, we have to go. And it yeah. did start to make, it, I did start to question, you know, this is a very, this is a logical, smart woman. What is making her stay? Is it, yeah. is it her pride or is it something else? I, I wasn't sure why she stayed and I don't want to get too much into like blaming her because of course there were no. so many things that weren't her fault yeah. and, and out of her control but yeah if she I, I'm just wondering why she didn't leave sooner and I guess the answer yeah. is because then the movie would be too short <laughs> <laughs> well no I mean if you want to take it the route of like the metaphor once again like if you're depressed mm -hmm. a lot of people who suffer depression and anxiety like will try to like stick it out or try to continue to do one thing like I know sometimes like I have spent years on a project that I cannot finish because I'm determined to finish it, regardless of the fact that I know it's not going anywhere, you know, um, mm -hmm. and I don't, I don't think it's pride. I think it's just being stuck or being in that vicious cycle of just constantly, um, you know, trying to be better, not getting better and hoping that finishing this one project will make you feel like a winner or give you that boost of serotonin that you need or, you know, something like that. Maybe it could be a metaphor for that. But I did want to go back to that line you said about the telephone call. Mm -hmm. I think that was imagined, just like so many of the other things that were happening. Yeah. I think it was definitely imagined. I don't think he would actually say that to her ever. I agree. Yeah, I agree. It's either her own. It's yeah, it's the definitely the gin. It's definitely the strain, the strain of the war that and the toll it's taking on her mind. And I think part of his, the gin's MO is to isolate her. And yeah. the way he does that is by separating her from her husband, yeah, by futzing with their phone connection, and then trying to turn the daughter against the mom by stealing yeah. the doll and all that. Yeah, yeah. I think the point is to make sure that they're alone because yeah. that's when they're most vulnerable. Exactly. Absolutely. Um, oh yeah, and I forgot. Of course, the added. There's also the added stress of like a war going, a literal war going Literally, like they're in like, the bomb shelter every night. The the kind of emotional toll that has to take on yeah. you subconsciously, right? There will be the conscious like, oh man, this noise is really annoying. Oh, this rocket hitting our, um, <laughs> you know, a building almost every other day. And like the lights going out almost every day, you know, stopping all our productivity, stopping everything we're doing to go hide is like obviously terrifying and yeah. has an effect on you on the outside. But there is also subconscious kind of like, mental health effects that happen, post-traumatic stress disorder, obviously. Yeah, yeah. And she knows all about that because she's a doctor. Exactly. And, and also her own mother <laughs> was a doctor. That's who gave her the, the yeah. her, the daughter had the doll and that was the gin's possession because it needs yeah. a possession to keep. And the, the medical book that our protagonist had, that was given to her by her own mother, right? Exactly. So is it also about the generations of women passing down generational trauma, generational trauma, generational trauma that's related to the oppression of their feminism? Like, it, it, yeah, you can delve into all that. But at the end of the day, it's about the meaning of motherhood and and being a woman in a in a failed state. <laughs> yeah. And oh, man. And Jay said, yeah, it's my favorite genre of movie because that was the movie of my life <laughs> for the, the last couple of years. I love Jay. I love Jay I'm, so much. I'm glad she all watched the movie together too. <laughs> she loves um, a horror movie. 
but overall I think just cinematically excuse me cinematography wise like the director just did an amazing amazing job like like I can't find one bad thing to say about it to be honest truly, truly. no really it, well it was so so good and I think some people don't love a, a slow burn of a movie and I'll admit I do like fast-paced movies but when but I do love I do love a slow horror movie that knows how to tell the story and like you said every yeah. shot the the way it's composed the way the story uh uh unfolds from script to cinematography yeah to whoever painted the crack on that ceiling that just kept getting bigger <laughs> and bigger and bigger <laughs> Uh, it's Horrifying. just also it's just also in service of this beautiful, horrifying, touching, heartbreaking, terror, terrifying historical story. Like all these things <laughs> yeah. wrapped the up story, in this story that's still yeah. so simple and personal to one woman, but is also in the context of a greater world event that it that it examines too. Right. I love that. I love that. All the layers. Um, the storytelling was just worth it for waiting for that film. The storytelling in between the building of the characters that the characters had, they, they, there was character development throughout the movie. Oh, um, yeah. It was kind of incredible to see that in just a short span of time. Um, I think with both the daughter and the mom. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I love Dorsa, the daughter's journey. Uh, uh, especially when her doppelganger started showing up and I was like, oh, double dorsus. Oh, Crisscross so double dorsus. I hate, I hate, I hate that. That's, yeah. the, that's my most least favorite only because it's so horrifying. Like the switcheroo, the body switch. The body switcheroo, as soon as, as soon as she's like hearing the crying, I'm like, double dorsus, no, 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 mom. No, 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 I can't do this. Don't put a hood on your daughter when you're trying to escape. Never, like, never go. About it. Never go. I know what I'll do. I'll bundle my child in a bunch of clothes, and not look at her face. Like, are you kidding me? You're literally dealing with a gin right now. You don't expect this. Are you? Sorry, for a doctor, that was a very uh, dumb moment. I'm sorry, but well, um, the building was collapsing. That's true. She had no time to look at her face. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, no body switches in horror movies always freak with me. Like, I can't. Even when I was watching Dragon Ball Z as a kid, there was this scene in like uh, where um, <clears throat> Goku switches bodies with one of the what was what was her name? The Ginyu Force, Captain Ginyu. I don't know if you watched Dragon Ball Z growing up. Um, oh gosh, I tried to. Um, <laughs> I, I remember I remember Frieza and Vegeta yeah. and uh, Piccolo. I loved Piccolo because he yeah, was green. Yeah, me too. I had a crush and... on him. <laughs> Um, and I remember being like, okay, so in Dragon Ball Z, um, every episode is 30 minutes long and, uh, about two things happen per episode. Well, maybe one. <laughs> I remember being like, nothing happens in these episodes. It's just That's people fun. looking at each other going, <laughs> for 30 minutes. <laughs> yeah, basically. That's a really great summary of Dragon Ball Z, actually. Everyone should listen to Joshua's summary. But <laughs> but it's also like the characters in the world of Dragon Ball Z is just such a... a that, one, that one also knows how to build a world. Like, it's That's a fascinating true. world. A much slower burn than this movie, but, you know. <laughs> yes, multiple episode arcs. Although this movie does leave uh, the door open for some sequels, although... <laughs> Do yeah, you want, is yeah, is this the perfect, is it perfect as a standalone film or do you want to see uh, Under the Shadow Part Two? 
No, I don't want to see any more horror films for a very long time, Joshua. But I think this does work as a good standalone. It does leave room for a sequel, but I don't think I want one because it is perfect as it is. I would have liked a happier ending, but the way that it left me kind of unnerved mm-hmm. <laughs> at the end, knowing that both objects were still in possession of the chimp, like just, I mean, that's the, it could go either way. I love, I love an ending that knows how to freak you out, mm-hmm. but I also would love happy endings to any scary movie just to know that all the characters are going to be closer. Their- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what was the last like scary movie you watched before this one? <clears throat> Honestly, can't tell you. I don't remember. <laughs> I remember like watching like the Conjuring series or whatever with the Annabelle dolls and stuff like that. But that was so long ago. And you like a good haunted doll uh, movie? Apparently, I do not. I do not. I just had people that wanted to watch it, so and I went with them. The haunted dolls <laughs> find you. Yeah, exactly. I don't. I don't want them. In fact, I I grew up with like dolls that always looked very haunting, and I couldn't do it anymore. I threw them in the trash. Um, no, but I, ever since I moved to Louisville, Kentucky, since I live by myself here, I have not done any horror movies. And unless, unless there is one and, a, and, a friend, and I've watched it with a friend and I just don't remember, but I watched it with them, I, I don't recall any. Are you more of a fan of the comedies or the rom-coms or the actions or the superheroes? So um, I was a fan of Marvel only because I like comic books and I actually like the DC comics better, but the Marvel movies are really good compared to the Mar- uh, to the DC movies. Ooh, relatively speaking, uh... relative to the movies, relative <laughs> to the movies, the DC DC comics are amazing. I think they're really good. Um, Marvel, I only liked old school Marvel. So, but we're talking about movies, and what I normally watch, if it's not for like my, the fandom stuff, is like oh, I hate to say, it, but rom coms. Um, <laughs> it's like a guilty pleasure turned into a not so secret. Um, no wonder you like Sarah Jessica Parker. <laughs> no, not not those kinds. Those are terrible. I think Sarah Jessica Parker. I can't look at her face. I'm sorry. I know it's mean, <laughs> but I really can't. It's so weird. Those noises coming out of her mouth just don't fit. It just does. I don't know. In real life, I've never met anyone that has her sounds. And she is just an un. Yeah, I'm like that. I, that that type of person doesn't really exist. I don't know. I don't know. It's just, it's just she just sounds really childish. Like, oh, I'm such a dips. I don't know about life at all. It's just like you are well over the age of knowing what life is about. I don't know. But anyways. Um, Get it together, Carrie. Exactly. No, I, I like more of like the rom-coms that are actually funny. Um, a lot of the, what is it called? Like girl trips type, type stuff or. Uh, oh, like uh, uh, Tiffany Haddish and yes. Regina Hall. <laughs> and I love that stuff. Yes. Oh my God. I love that stuff. Uh, I think it's so great. As a as a comic though, uh, which comedians do you do you think of when you think Ooh. of like comfort food comedy, or the Com- comedians who inspired you to start? Um, comfort food comedies, comedians inspired me to start, and not there is some overlap there, but I think um, like my comfort is Michelle Buteau. Oh, I love Buteau. I love Buteau. her so much. <laughs> She's and she's popping up in everything which is great because uh and my husband has started to recognize her i'm like it's Buteau, it's Buteau, it's her she's back she's back <laughs> exactly um and like in movies i love seeing and movies and shows i love seeing Issa Rae and tiffany haddish um and what's it called i'm really i love um what's her face rebel wilson but yes. i feel like she's always the go-to fat person you know to to like you know oh, I want to break stereotypes and I want to be in love and I know what's her face Amy what's her face oh, Amy Amy Schumer uh, I, fuck her yeah Schumer 
Amy Schumer tries to be that person, but it, she does not do that successfully because she's just gross and I don't like her. But um, Rebel Wilson is like the go-to person for Hollywood to do that, right? Let's break stereotypes by letting a fat woman fall in love. Yeah, and she like, talks weird too. As different. <laughs> yeah. They <laughs> so need to start I, hiring more fat women. Like Nicole exactly. can do a movie. Michelle Buteau can do one. They can all do one. Everyone can do one. Everyone, and a movie for you, and a rom-com for you, and a rom-com for you. But um, I, yeah, I would love to see more diversity in that. I hate saying like, I want to see more diversity, but I do want to see more diversity in those kind of more diverse uh, storytelling um, when it comes to romance. Because um, I'm really tired of the shit that's not. I'm really tired of seeing Sarah Jessica Parker be like, mm, my shoes, mm, buttons, <laughs> stickers. I want to get married, but like, do we? <laughs> um, why should I get? Yeah. I want to get married to this man who cheated on me. I'm the last singer, single girl in the city. Like, <laughs> I am literally the last one. It's been 127 years, and I haven't sucked the blood of any man yet. No, I'm kidding. No, I'm going to a vampire movie. I'm sorry, but she's mm-hmm. just so uh, unsufferable. Like, what's the word? Is it insufferable? No, insufferable. In- is she insufferable? Insufferable. Yes, insufferable. Who's more insufferable, Schumer or? Or Shara Sheshika Parker. Schumer is the most insufferable of all. I, I can't. Like <sighs> stealing jokes and just overall, I can't. Anyways, let me stop. I hate being so negative. <laughs> Tell me about the most recent special you loved. Or uh, did you see uh, uh, Welcome to Butopia? No, I didn't see Welcome to Butopia yet. No, what did I see? Um, oh, I saw the last live show that I saw that I also saw on HBO Max was um uh freaking can we pause here for a second and edit this out because i I, my brain is mush oh who (sighs) oh who just girl daddy oh my god i can't believe sometimes oh beth stelling beth stelling oh my god we tweeted about her (laughs) oh my god i love beth stelling and i hate that i just uh my brain just blanked out her name but like she gave me um girl daddy hat she (gasps) gave me girl daddy hat at her show she's so nice oh my goodness and you walk around all day wearing a girl daddy hat and every hour you show a little bit more bang (laughs) a little bit more bang bang. until my job comes off no i'm kidding um but uh what's it called yeah she's really sweet and she's so goddamn funny she is oh my gosh that is a great special i don't know how long she's been doing comedy but like i just know that it's like she has a Netflix special too um she's part of she's part of one of those like lineup series um yeah I I don't remember which one but yeah she's got a special on Netflix too okay um a 30 minute I love her and uh was it um uh oh my god all the names are like leaving me and I hate that so much Aparna Aparna Nanchala yes her and um the one that sounds similar to her uh the one with the red hair I, I usually have these names on the tip of my tongue and today they're just like leaving me. Um, Red hair? Yeah, uh, 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 Firestone. Joe Firestone. Joe Firestone. Joe Firestone. Oh my God. Her. She is like a part of, oh, that's funny because- Yeah, they did a show together. They had a YouTube show together or something that's like that. That's a YouTube show. Fantastic. Yeah. I love Joe Firestone because she's so funny and yeah. yet, and yet people know her as the white Aparna Nanchala. <laughs> <laughs> By people, you mean which me. Is, which is progress. No, I remember <laughs> thinking that at one point, seeing her comedy, like, oh my God, she's like a white, nerdy Aparna Nanchala. Well, nerdy, nerdy, <laughs> nerdy. nerdy's a little redundant, I think. <laughs> yeah, that's I think true. They both say nerdy's redundant. 
and who's the one who like loves uh wearing sneakers all the time she's like curly hair she has her own show on netflix and like a night like a, it was like a Nicole buyer no no no. um she's white and she has like i think she also has like red curls she wears sneakers and she has like a late night show which is oh. now on netflix oh. Uh, oh, oh oh i know uh michelle white house michelle wolf yes, michelle wolf yes that's the one her, yes um, she's very funny she is so yeah funny. freaking amazing notice great. i haven't named any men yet <laughs> that's great i i i was like naming my five top comedians and it didn't even dawn on me but only one of them was yeah man yeah i just don't find men that funny it's not it's not like a sex thing we it's aren't like really, it's really just like the same old stuff over and over again oh my wife uh -huh. and like uh you know <laughs> and turning oh, the microphone making the microphone your dick and making yeah a stool yeah and like sex jokes and like it's fine to have like you know one or two in there but it's like overdone and your your narrative and your voice like it's just the same stuff over and over again and i'd much rather talk about trying to get into a mosque with barbecue sauce all over my hijab like that's what i want to talk that's, about that's what i want to talk about exactly you know my experience so well joshua you know when you try to walk into a mosque and you have barbecue sauce you're, you're signed for you're, you're signed up for this one you know when you try to walk into a mosque and you're like i'll take one Korean, please and they're like you can't come in here you got barbecue sauce all over your hijab that was so tastefully done pun intended by the way <laughs> that was what? i think that was so tastefully done pun intended um like very rarely do i find people can make like really good jokes about muslims without like making it about you know terrorism or bombs and it's just like oh my god please I you don't have like any friends you, you don't have any muslim jokes. friends <laughs> yeah totally but like no there's people who are not don't you have a bit on your uh I do. where you're like i could say that <laughs> Yeah, basically. I wear the hijab uh, every day. I go to the <laughs> airport. I can Exactly. And it's so funny, you know, the whole going to the airport thing. Um, I obviously like, you know, uh, closer to 9-11, like, you know, a couple of years back, I think only recently have I stopped being like so self-aware at airports because I've got like the clear thing where I just have to put my fingertips on it or whatever and I can skip ahead to the uh, front of the line. And I also have the TSA pre-check. And so now I feel like a boss when I go to the airport. Nice. Like, you know that, you know that, um, first of all, what's the world for, you know, people who like to travel the world and when they're nostalgic for traveling the world? Sightseers? Wanderlust, wanderlust. You know Wanderlust. People, yeah, wanderlust. Okay, so if you combine like wanderlust and like this kind of, uh, uh, I don't know what to describe. You know when you have to be the prettiest person at the bar? I need to be the most important person at the airport, but not in that way, you know? Like in the way I'm just like- I want everyone at the airport to look at me. <laughs> yeah, but then when you wear a hijab, it's like very different. It's like different experience. I want no but, one at the airport to look at me. But I want everyone to know I'm very important. Right. Not only- <laughs> I'm wearing a hijab and all I have to do is swipe a finger and I am going through. Exactly. No, I love that feeling though of like, like I'm at the airport, everybody's looking at me. <laughs> I, I, I don't know how to describe it, but it's just, it's just there. It's like, you know, I'm on a mission, but it's not the kind of mission you think. <laughs> I'm on a mission to get in the front of the line. And the best seat. That's that's my mission. And but, you notice my, my mission is to get to the TGI honest. Fridays sooner than you. <laughs> exactly. And to be noticed by you know a, a cute security guard or a cute person who's going on the same flight as me. I don't know. I want a romance novel written about the experience. Oh my goodness! A romance, a rom com starring you, where yeah. where 
you get randomly selected in post 9-11 America by a security guard and then you fall in love and 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 then you try to go into a mosque and you got barbecue sauce all over your hijab. Does that ever happen to you? Does that ever happen? <laughs> oh boy. I also I also very much picture myself as like uh uh what's this phrase Seinfeld whenever I'm doing like a parody of like being a comedian so I love that oh part. yeah right yes because <laughs> whenever you're like I do comedy people are like I love Seinfeld I love <laughs> I love <laughs> I love Tina Fey she's not even a stand up I love uh, Tina Fey oh my god Mindy Kaling is my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't say that because I'm brown. <laughs> <laughs> I get Tina Fey, you get Mindy Kaling. Okay, fine. neither neither of them are stand-ups. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> All right. Speaking of which, where can people find your comedy online? Online, because well, you're very funny, and I want more people to find your comedy online. Oh, thank you so much, Josh. Um, well, on Twitter, you can find me at Unumlaugh. That's a is an apple, N is a Nancy, N is a Nancy, A is an apple, M is a Mary, and the word laughs, like haha, laughs. So all together um, on Twitter and then on TikTok, same thing. Cool. Yeah. Anum laughs? Anum laughs with an S. How often do you get DMs from strangers since it's A-N-N-A-M being like, dear Miss Anna M laughs? Oh my God. Okay. I don't get DMs like that, but I do get like letters, like in the, in, like emails. And Anna. I, I sign my name, Anum, mm -hmm. but they still send it to Anna. Do you know um, Mo, Mohanad Elshiki? He's a stand-up. Uh, oh, yeah, I've seen his Twitter. I've seen his Twitter. I've seen some of the stand-up, yeah. He's Mohanad instead of Mohammed, and he has this bit about a guy going, no, no, your name is wrong. It's Mohammed. And he goes, <laughs> telling me my, my name, name is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so you get emails where they're like, dear Miss Anna laughs. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, they definitely write to Anna instead of Anum several times. Several, several times it happens. Yeah. So TikTok and sure. hmm? I even I, I get called Sir as well, and it's just I, I don't know where they get that from, but that's fine. Uh, I guess. Oh, uh, uh, the name it ends in a, a, a consonant. That's that's a guy thing. <laughs> that's a great rule to have. Um, yeah. So Twitter and TikTok. Anum laughs at Anum laughs. Sweet. How are you liking TikTok? I hate it. It's um. <laughs> Because it because it really messes with your mind a lot, and that's actually partly why I needed to get off of social media at some point. Um, because it's like it, it throws out like your videos, um, like once it'll throw it out and let it become viral. Like the algorithm will allow it to be roamed freely, and then it'll just uh, bottleneck you. Mm. Like they'll just stop showing your videos to people, and only the people that follow you already can like your stuff and see your stuff. So it's really annoying because it's a good with your scam mind like to get new users because like that's yeah. what they want is they want new people to join the app. So like, yeah, they reward you in the first couple of uh, days, weeks or yeah. months of just days. They only give you a few days and then they're like, yeah, Fuck you. or first couple of videos because like I had one that was like I went up to a 500 and I was just I recreated my user. I, cre I created a new account. And then like a couple of videos later, I got like 100,000 views or 10,000 views or something like that. And I was so shocked. And then, but I got really few followers. And then all the rest of the videos were just like a hundred views each or less. Mm. And so they do that on purpose. It's very well known. Like their algorithm is really whack because if I put the same video on Instagram uh, stories, uh, reels or whatever, they have reels. And mm. so if I put the Please. same video no. that gets a hundred likes, if it gets a hundred likes on TikTok, it'll get like 10,000 views or more. Cause I have a video that I keep getting notifications for right now on Instagram. 
and you know they will they will put out your stuff but mostly because they don't have that many people on reels to begin with so mm. and they also i've heard that they like they censor th- uh, things that are uh, political like black lives matter and they'll censor mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh well it's not political it's fucking human decency it's human but, de- but, yeah, but they, exactly. they consider it to be or they'll censor people who are disabled or queer or yeah and, and it's like well known but they gotcha <laughs> they yeah. gotcha yeah and I haven't watched it yet, but I'm sure the social dilemma is going to make me want to turn off my computer and throw mm-hmm. it into a river forever. That's what it was. That time that I was away on Twitter, it was because of the social dilemma. <gasps> it was? <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll, let, I'll text you before I watch it because then okay. you won't hear from me for three weeks because I'll do the same. <laughs> yeah, please do. and uh, Let me know what's going on and how you fare emotionally speaking. I afterwards. shall. I shall. <laughs> Anam, thank you so much for watching a terrifying movie for for comedy's sake. You're welcome. Anytime. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for doing this. And uh, listeners, you can always uh, like and subscribe to The Gag, uh, a spook cast, and it's on all of your favorite podcasting apps, or you can visit my Patreon at www.gagpod, or no, that's not it. I'm going to cut that out at www.patreon.com slash gagpod. That's www.patreon.com slash G-A-G-P-O-D. And um, you can also rate me five stars and leave a great review or a bad review. I'll read it. I I love to read. And um, then you can also uh, follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Joshua Simon Says. But more importantly, you should follow Anam Laughs. That's A-N-N-A-M Laughs L-A-U-G-H-S. I did it. (laughs) (laughs) Anam. Would you like to say goodbye, Gremlins? Goodbye, Gremlins. Yay, goodbye, Gremlins. <laughs> and see. <laughs>